everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Have you ever wondered how the Roman government was set up? In today's chapter, we meet a lot of different officials. What were their jobs and how did they relate to one another? I mean, did you know that some of their relationships were actually incestuous? To truly understand what's going on in chapter 25, we need to rewind the tape just a little bit to the end of chapter 24, where we learn about Felix. Who was Felix? Pretty much a morally twisted guy. Here's the gist of his story. Felix, he started out as a slave. But eventually, he was promoted to the office of governor. One Roman historian said he was cruel, licentious, and dishonorable. And when he was in Judea, he was interested in a woman named Drusilla, who happened to be the king's sister, but more on that king later. And Drusilla, Felix's crush, was already married. But he didn't care. He seduced her away from her husband and married her later on. So Felix the governor was married to the king's sister. And how does Felix relate to Paul? Well, the Got Questions website sums it up like this. They said, Felix was the governor of Judea and Samaria when the Apostle Paul was arrested in Jerusalem for preaching the gospel, back in Acts 23. Because a mob was planning to kill Paul before he could come to trial, Paul was brought to Caesarea in the middle of the night so that he could escape the mob and have his case heard by Felix, the governor. So Paul gets to Caesarea. Felix reads a letter that basically basically explains why Paul is there. The government isn't sure if he's committed any crimes, but they are certain the Jews are angry with him. And then Felix says the hearing needs to be postponed until those accusing Paul can be present. Now, Felix knew a decent amount about followers of Jesus, so when he realized just how intertwined Paul's case was with religion, he postponed it again until the exact person who had initially arrested Paul and sent him to Felix, sent him to him, could be present. Basically, Felix wanted a very precise and particular setup to occur in order for Paul to be heard. And as they waited for all the stars to align, I guess Felix got interested because he hung out with Paul. Felix and Drusilla, his wife, she was the king's sister, they both listened to Paul as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. That's Acts 24, 24. But when Paul's words started to hit home, Felix ordered him to stop talking. And at the end of the day, Felix kept waiting for a convenient time to hear Paul's case, but that day never came. Reality was, Felix was actually hoping Paul would bribe him. Remember, he wasn't a good guy. But that day never came either. So Paul was just left in jail until a new governor rolled in. And that's where chapter 25 picks up. There's a new governor in town, and his name is Festus. Now, unlike Felix, historians describe Festus as a fair and reasonable governor. And as he steps into office, Paul's case, which has been pending for a while now, was one of the first things he needed to tackle. And the same Got Questions article sums it up like this. The Jewish leadership meet Festus in Jerusalem and ask that he bring Paul from Caesarea. Okay, so remember, the Jews were the ones who were mad at Paul in the first place. A long time has passed. Paul's just chilling in jail waiting for his case to be heard. And the Jews are still mad, even though he's been in jail this whole time. But they they ask for Paul to be moved because their goal or their purpose was to ambush Paul and kill him on the way. 
And at this point in the story, Festus hasn't even been to his new home yet. And he invites Paul's accusers to go with him to Caesarea, where Paul was, and get things squared away. Festus, he could see the charges against Paul were baseless, but remember he's a new governor. So wanting to have a good relationship with the new people he's leading, he asks Paul to go to Jerusalem and stand, stand trial. He gives in. Basically, he's like, hey, I can tell this guy is innocent and this trial's a waste of time, but I want to be liked by the people I'm leading. So let's do the trial, but move it to Jerusalem so I don't actually have to be the one to deal with Paul. I don't have to preside over this hearing. It's kind of a smart move. But the only problem was, in order to send Paul to Jerusalem to be tried, he had to list out the charges against him. And Festus didn't know what to put. So there's a little bit of a standstill when some visitors unexpectedly roll into town. Agrippa the king and Bernice. Who were they? Well, King Agrippa, he had a sister named Drusilla. We read about her back in chapter 24, actually. She's the one who was married to Felix, the first governor who initially postponed Paul's hearing a bunch of times. So the brother-in-law of the guy who initially got this whole long, drawn-out hearing thing started, shows up with his wife, Bernice, who conveniently happens to also be his sister, the king's sister. Yeah, it's incest. This incestuous couple shows up, and they have this weird relationship to the person who has had Paul held up in jail for all this time. And so Paul's whole trial situation is honestly this weird and twisted, unhealthy family affair where he's just being bounced around between different members of the same family. Very confusing and very sinful. So Agrippa and Bernice, brother and sister, are there. And Festus is like, how convenient that you guys have just showed up. What do I do with Paul? I think he's innocent. And that's where today's chapter ends, on another cliffhanger where Paul's being put before the brother-in-law of the man who initially got this whole deal started. So what does this mean for us? I mean, what can we learn from this seemingly odd story about bad legal processes and inappropriate family relationships? I think there are two things. First, we've got to take note of how Festus feared man. He made the decision to move Paul's trial to Jerusalem because he didn't want to upset the Jews. He knew Paul was innocent. He knew what was right, and he looked the other way and passed the problem on to someone else, or or he's thinking about it at least. It's kind of like when you see trash on the ground or dishes in the sink, something that's out of place, and you think it's not your problem. I'll just look the other way, and someone else will take care of it. That was Festus's attitude toward Paul. But Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So that's number one. Am I trying to please man or God? And then there's number two. As I was studying for this episode, I found the Got Questions articles about these rulers really helpful. I know this is my third time mentioning it in this episode, but the most profound thing I read while reading about the rulers was actually about Paul. It said this, Acts 25 through 26 gives a great example for believers to follow. Paul was in chains with his life and freedom on the line, but he did not shrink back from faithfully proclaiming the gospel to those in positions of power. While the number of people who are 
almost persuaded to believe, but then turn away throughout these chapters is disturbing. What should be even more troubling is the number of Christians who are almost persuaded to boldly speak for Christ when they're given the opportunity, only to meekly let the opportunity pass them by. Are you almost persuading people to follow Christ? Or are you almost persuaded to open your mouth? See the difference? Are you leading others or are others leading you? It's a great question for all of us to think on. I know in my own life, there are times when I let the fear of man deter me from sharing the gospel, and I'm not even always aware of it, but it typically goes goes like this. Let's say I'm at the grocery store and I sense the Spirit stirring my heart to engage in a spiritual conversation with the person at the register. But then I notice there's a couple people in line behind me. What if I hold up the line? They'll be frustrated. She doesn't seem like she wants to talk anyway. The frozen food in my basket's going to melt. I need to go home and switch the laundry so I don't disappoint my roommates. And then I keep my mouth shut. What I might casually label as not enough time to have a conversation is actually too afraid to have the conversation because it might ruffle some feathers. What does this look like for you? Are you leading others or are others leading you? That's all we've got time for. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.